When I was a kid, my parents took me to church. My brother and I went to our Sunday school classes, and my parents went to big church. That was what I called it for, for many, many years, in fact, many more years than was, it was still cute. Uh, we called it big church. But when we talk about going to church, we're usually talking about one of two things, either going to a building or going to worship. I mean, preachers always talk about how the church is the people, and that's true. But let's be real. When we say we got to get ready to go to church, we're talking about going to a building or we're talking about going to worship. Worship is the primary thing that we do as Christians. Worship is the primary thing we do as a church. And if we can have a whole video with different definitions and understandings of what worship is, how do we even begin to talk about why we do it? Well, why we do it is precisely our topic this morning. Why do we come here on Sunday mornings? Why do we do the things that we do in worship? And what happens to us when we do them? Sure, we might learn something from the sermon. We might feel something when we sing together. We might have some sort of transcendent experience. But what exactly is happening? And why does it happen? As we embark on our sermon series, Why Church?, the first thing we want to cover is worship, since worship is the primary thing that we do as a church. It's the main way that people come to be part of a church. It's what people associate with church. So let's talk about what it does to us and why we should worship. And to get us started, how about we take a look at what the Bible says about worship? That seems to be a good place to start, am I right? Winky face emoji. 1 Chronicles 16, it's printed in your lifetime, displayed on the screen behind me, and if you don't have a Bible and would like a Bible, we give them away for free every week. They're available out in the cafeteria. Feel free to take one home. 1 Chronicles 16 says, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his goodness among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. We're going to get to the context of this passage in a minute because the context is incredibly important to answer the specifics of why we worship. But for now, I want to start where the passage starts. Sing to the Lord. The passage begins with one of the most important things we do in worship, singing. But why do we sing? Especially if you have to hear my voice each and every week. Why do we sing? And what does singing do for us? 
Music is one of the most neurologically powerful phenomena that we have. Music activates the part of the brain where language is stored, which is the left temporal lobe. It activates the part of the brain associated with creativity, which is the right temporal lobe. And it also activates the corpus callosum, which is in the center of your brain, and it's where the left part of your brain and the right part of your brain talk to each other. So when you sing, when, or, or when, we, when we hear music, this is just even just hearing music, so many different parts of our brain are working together. But there's more. Because there's one set of neurological activity that is associated with listening to music, but there's a second tier that comes when we participate and sing along with the music. When we all sing together, the beneficial effects of music are amplified. And these effects include an increased ability to process language, a more positive frame of mind, and a greater sense of self-esteem or self-worth. So when we come here on Sunday mornings and sing together praise songs to God, not only are we glorifying God, but what's happening in our brains is that we are feeling better about ourselves. If you've ever had a really rough week or a really bad day and gone to church and left feeling better, well, neurologically, that is what singing together in worship does for us. Now, if we need to understand this theologically, we have always said that worship is a means of grace. Worship is a way that God heals us. And if God created us, what if God so designed us so that our brains would react to worship in this way, such that worship would be a means of grace for us? Did I just scientifically prove that worship is a means of grace? Maybe? I don't know, but I'll take it. But that's not the only thing that happens in our brains as we worship together. And to talk about the rest of what's going on in our brains when we worship, I need to return to the context of the passage of Scripture. The 15th and the first part of the 16th chapter of First Chronicles detail David's reclamation of the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that thing in Raiders of the Lost Ark that melted the Nazis' faces? Yes? That's the Ark of the Covenant. But it was also the container that ancient Israel created to house the fragments of the Ten Commandments and some other things that symbolized and were the very presence of God for the community. They, the Ark had become lost, and David did everything he could to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the holy city of Jerusalem. David's successful, and the Israelites construct a tent, a new tabernacle that would be the place of worship for, of God, and that would be the place where the presence of God lived amongst the people. That's the, the Notes version of most of First Chronicles, but certainly 15 and 16. And then we have this song, which is our passage today, that is a song all about the glory of God, a song of praise to God. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. 
He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. This is a song declaring how wonderful God is, sung before and in the very presence of God. Worship is a celebration of the presence of God amongst us, a celebration of the presence of God in our lives. But it's also more than that. Worship is the way that we are brought into the presence of God. And I can prove it. When we are singing together in worship, there is so much brain activity going on due to both what happens to our brains when we listen to music and the fact that we are all singing together, participating together in this creative activity. But when we do this, when we sing together, when we contemplate and pray together, our brains begin to create neurological patterns similar to each other, like our brains are connecting with each other. Now, part of the unique gift of the human brain is its ability to pick up on social cues, to infer, to think along with, like the children do to me every Sunday when I think I have them beat. So our brains have this ability to kind of connect with each other in real ways. And when our brains are connecting with each other, through creating these similar neurological patterns, we begin to contemplate larger phenomena than just ourselves. So much of our brain's job is to focus on our own self, our own body. Keep the heart pumping. Keep the lungs breathing. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm bored with all of this neurology talk. It's actually work. It actually takes work and conscious thoughts to consider the thoughts of another person. Now, this isn't being selfish. It's just nature. So we have to train our brains to move beyond our own selves, our own needs, our own desires, and open our minds up to larger things than ourselves which is precisely what happens when we worship. As our brains connect with other brains, we move from thoughts of self to thoughts of others. We move beyond ourselves, beyond our families, to broader things like our communities, all of humanity, and beyond to God. Worship steps us to ever broader views of reality. Now, there are some people, sorry, People came out really loud. There are some people who have a more natural ability to experience awe and wonder. Two weeks ago, I said that it took me 25 years to figure out what was so special about azaleas. Clearly, I am not one of those people that is moved to awe and wonder easily. I get surprised by wonder. I feel like awe hits me rather than being able to bring myself to that place. But there are some people who can do that, some people for whom worship and prayer and contemplation are actually quite natural. And what happens is that when we worship together, we make this journey of transcendence, this journey from our own individual selves to God, we do this together, and those for whom awe comes more naturally help the rest of us along. So what does worship do for us? What happens in worship? 
we journey into the presence of God together. We are lifted up to the realm of God together. We come together and meet and experience God. And we ourselves are opened up to larger and larger phenomena. We train our brains to think of things beyond ourselves, and we get our brains in the habit of seeing outside ourselves so that we can do it more and more often throughout the week. And we need each other to do this. There are some people who really can go out in nature and experience transcendence by themselves, and, but I am not one of them. I need those people in worship with me to help me be moved to awe. That's why we come together as a group of people, as a body of Christ to worship, because we need each other. We need each other to make that journey together so that we can be open, opened to God and to others. Now, when we do this, when we train our brains to regularly think outside of ourselves, it in turn makes us more loving, it makes us more empathetic, it makes us more charitable, it makes us more generous. Because if you are routinely thinking of others, whether it's other people, the needs of your community, or God and all of humanity, you are going to care about others' needs more and more often. What we are beginning to talk about is the habits that worship can form within us. And to fully get into that, I want to return to the Chronicles passage. It finishes, Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in, splendor, in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The rest of this passage or, or this song talks about some of the things we do in worship. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Bring an offering. Worship in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble. Rejoice, be glad, profess that the Lord reigns. These are things we don't normally do in real life and words we don't normally say in real life. So why do we say them? Why do we do them? Why would the Bible tell us to do this? This scripture passage is speaking to us about the formation of new habits in light of being brought into the presence of God. This scripture passage is speaking to us about the formation of a new kind of person in light of being brought into the presence of God. But what does this have to do with your real daily lives? We said this was going to be practical, and it's all been pretty esoteric so far. Interesting, perhaps. Maybe perhaps is a stretch. Interesting, maybe. Interesting to me, and maybe no one else. But definitely heady. So what does this have to do with your real practical lives? I don't know about you, but when I get stressed, I tend to get very insular. I'm a young parent. I have a two-year-old and another one on the way. Matt, stop talking about your kids. Sorry. I remember when Patrick was born, and I literally couldn't see anything that was happening outside of my house. Can I get an amen? 
When I get stressed out at home or at work or both, the only thing I can think about is getting through whatever it is that is stressing me out. One day at a time, one hour at a time, one task at a time. I can only think about those things. Now, I don't think any of that makes me a bad person. I really hope it doesn't. I think it just makes me a person. Remember that we are hardwired for individualism. It's, a, it's actually biologically necessary for survival. Your brain needs to be infinitely more concerned about keeping your heart beating than the heart of the person next to you, or else your heart would stop beating and you'd die. So this is, this is what we are biologically wired for before we can do anything about it. So if you're like me, and stress makes you concerned with what you're doing and what your family is doing, and that's the list, then I think, I think that's part of our biological hardwiring kicking in. But there's a lot of times I don't want to be so self-focused. There's a lot of times I want to be able to look outside my bubble. If you're like me, or if you can think about something that deep down you wish you could change, then I think worship can help us. And it can help us by helping us develop new habits. We are creatures of habit. Habits form our dispositions. Our dispositions dictate our desires, and our desires form the basic impetus of all our actions. If you want to change who you are deep down, who you are under stress, if you want to change something basic about your life, the first step in that is developing new habits. Worship is designed to help us learn new habits, to develop new dispositions, and ultimately to change our desire. We come here and we sing together. In a world based on performance, we come here and sing together as a creative act, a communal act. We come here and we pray together. We contemplate God together. We center ourselves on God and we open ourselves to the highest places of transcendence. In a world that is so self-focused, we come together to reach beyond ourselves. We come here and sit and listen for the word of God. In a world that is noisy, in a world that says all the information you need is at your fingertips, we come here to listen for the word of God speaking into our lives, a word that we can't find on Google or Wikipedia. We come here and we offer our time and our talents to God. In a world that's all about consumption and acquisition and scarcity, we freely give things away. And those habits help cr to create in us dispositions of community, openness, patience, generosity, and love. And we train our brains and our bodies and our souls to see the bigger picture, to slow down, to listen, to consider, and to care. So if you're here, and there's a part of you that responds to life's stresses in a way that you don't like, worship could be the answer. I don't like that when I'm stressed out, I can't see outside my own life. I want to be caring and generous and open all of the time. I like those parts of me, and when the going gets tough, I want those parts to still be there. Friends, the storm is going to come, is it not? We can guarantee that. But by coming to church 
and opening yourself to the realm of God by forming new habits, you can better prepare yourself to be the person you want to be in the midst of those storms. So why do we come to church? Why do we worship? And what can it do for, for you to benefit your daily life? Worship, we worship so that we can bring ourselves into the very presence of God and in so doing be transformed by God to be more and more the people that God created us to be. Let us pray. Almighty and all-loving God, we come here. We come here to experience your presence. We come here to be lifted up into the, into the realm where you live. To have our hearts be overflowing with your love and grace. And we come here to be transformed by that. We come here to be a new people. A people of love, a people of charity, a people of grace. A people who are open to the needs of others. We come here to be transformed by your love so that we can be a people who love you and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So God, flood this place with your presence. Flood this place with your grace. Open our hearts and our minds to your spirit permeating through this space. And by your spirit, by your grace, transform us to be more and more and more and more the people that you created us to be. All this we pray in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.